Anne, and welcome everyone. Good to have you all here. Um, this morning I'm going to touch on a subject and I do um, emphasise the fact that I'm only touching on this subject but it's um, one that people seem hesitant to um, tackle but this morning I hope I can do it justice and I've entitled my message this morning Look Up for Your Redemption Draws Nigh. So I'd like to welcome you all here and I want to start in prayer first. Father, I thank you for your word that it is sharp and powerful. I thank you, Father, that we can trust your word because your word is truth and it brings life and light to those who open their hearts to hear what your word has to say. I invite the Holy Spirit to come and have your way in this meeting and to anoint the words because my words are nothing, but when the anointing rests upon the word, it moves mightily in people's lives. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and anoint my words as I bring this message this morning. <coughs> Amen. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Now you might say, well, we've already been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, which is true. But I'm talking about the redemption of our body. This body, this, this body of ours has not yet been redeemed. And one day it will be, and that day will be when the rapture comes. Amen? Amen. Our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we will not be taking this body of ours with us when we go, when we leave this earth, but we will be changed into a spiritual body, a heavenly body, an eternal body. Sounds great, doesn't it? Has anyone looked at a picture of themselves from 10 years ago? Have you looked in the mirror this morning? You will notice that you're not quite the same. We are all dying. Our bodies are decaying and, and dying. But there is a heavenly hope because God says that he said that I go to prepare a place for you and when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, that you also might be. He's talking to his church. He's talking to his people. He has a plan to return for you. He has a, turn, a plan to return for us and take us out of this world as it is. But we will return again to this world with him and we will rule and reign with him again for a thousand years. Amen? Amen? So we've got good things to look forward to. Very good things. The problem is a lot of people doubt the word of God. People even doubt God himself. So this morning I want to start off with a couple of scriptures. And there's going to be a lot of scriptures, so maybe it's just good for you to jot down the scriptures and look it up for yourselves. Because I'm not going to be turning to every scripture. But I do have a lot. So the first one I'm going to is to Numbers 23, 19. And God, the Bible, his word says that he is a God that he should not lie. So God's not telling you a lie when he said, I will return and bring you with me to where I am. So you can believe that word of God. So Numbers 23, 19. Have we all found it? Give us a cooey when you have. God is not a man that he should not lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said he will? He will not do. Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? God is a, a God of his word. We can trust what he says to us. When we read this word, we can take the literal meaning of what is being said in this Bible, and that is truth, and nothing will move that. Number two, God is merciful. And we're going to look at that in um, Exodus 34 and verse 6. And this is when Moses wanted to um, 
to know all about God and who he was and what he was like. So Exodus 34 verse 6 says, And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. God is not up there sitting like some of our earthly fathers, waiting for us to make a wrong move so that he can belt us or scorn us or chastise us. He will, however, one day judge every person, as we sang this morning, every knee shall bow and every eye shall see the Lord. And those who are not in the Lord will be judged one day who are not found in the Lord. But his heart is that everyone would, not, would come to salvation, that not one person would perish. This is the heart of God because he is a God of love, which is the next scripture, which is in, um, we all know this one, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. He is a God of love. First and foremost, he is love himself. He is love. Have you ever thought if, you, if I asked you to send your only son or your only daughter and have them sacrificed? God willingly gave his son and his son willingly came that we could have life, that we could know the love of God and that we can only love God because he first loved us. Amen? Um, number four, God is sovereign. Um, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Sixteen and seventeen. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. In him all things consist. He is a sovereign God. Everything belongs to God. God created everything. Everything is subject to God. God is sovereign. God is our protector. I'm not going to read all of that, but go to Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of my God, he is my refuge and my strength. Here's my high tower. Here's my shepherd. Read Psalms 91. It'll tell you all about God. And that applies to you. Because you have set your love upon him, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call unto me and I will answer him and I will show him. Read Psalms 91. God is our protector. His word is our shield and our buckler. He is our hiding place. He is our place of refuge. He is our place where we can go and be hidden from the things of the world. Powerful psalm, Psalm 91. Read it. Meditate on it. Get it into your spirit. Number six, God uses the just and the unjust to unravel his plans. And we see this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. And we read that Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, 
and he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God puts people in place and he removes people. He can do whatever he wants to do and he will do whatever is necessary for his plan to have you come home with him to eventuate. There is nothing that will stop what God wants to do. Nothing. No COVID, no war in Israel, nothing. You can do what you like, but you cannot stop God's plan. He is forever working. He is forever readjusting situations and circumstances to bring about his ultimate plan. And that is that one day I will come home to take you to be with me. That where I am, you may also be. He loves you. You are his children. Have you ever been had to make a decision? If you had two kids, here's one kid over here, good little girl, she always does what she's told, another son over here who's a bit, you know, a bit of a rat bag, and then God says, you choose. One of them has to die. You choose which one has to die. But as a parent, you love them both regardless of what they're doing, regardless that this one is always good and this one is always being mischievous and in mischief. God doesn't ask us to be the judge and choose and he doesn't want to choose and that's why he's given us all a choice. It's our choice to accept Christ or to reject Christ. It's our choice to accept eternal life or to reject the life that Christ has given us. So the Bible encourages us to be alert, to be watchful, to be on guard so that we know We are asked to be like the sons of Issachar who knew the times and the seasons. It's in our best interest to be aware of what's going on today and as bad as it may seem and what's happening in Israel is not pleasant and it's not very good, but God is working and these things must come to pass. Amen? We need not be afraid because God is with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has a plan that is being played out, a plan that is being positioned and these things must, M-U-S-T, come to pass if we are to be at home with him. And that's why he gives us the heavens as a billboard, as signs so that we know what's going on. Do we know the day or the hour? No, no one knows the day or the hour when he returns. But the signs around us will tell us that the time is getting short. Pastor Jeff preached a message on 2 Timothy in chapter 3 about the, the last of the last days. That last of the last days is like a ship. We're in the days, the last port that that ship's going to pull up at. We're at the last port. There are no more ports to be go to. We are in the last port. Yes, the dispensation of the end of days has been 2,000 years, but now we are at the very final port. Do you understand? Time is running out. The devil knows that time is running out, and that's why he's roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we need not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. But we must know who our God is. We must trust our God. We must lean on our God and just know that he will bring us through if we keep our eyes on him. There's no need to be fearful. You know, through the Old Testament, we see Rahab, and um, I'm going to go there shortly. 
Um, Rahab, we find her in Joshua. I'll better go there now. In Joshua chapter 2. And we all probably know the story of Rahab. Now, she was not a Jewish person. person. She lived in Jericho. She was a harlot. Um, so she had a very um, entertaining business there. She lived on the wall of Jericho. And the spies of the Jews came and she took them into her house so that they would not be discovered and killed. And she hid them on the roof of her house. Now, I'm talking about someone who knows nothing about who God should be, or you would presume she knows nothing. She's living a wild life that far from God. It's not funny. But, you know, when she took those spies in and hid them on the roof and she said to them in verse 8 and 9, she goes, "Um, Now, before they lay down, that's the spies, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you to the land given the land to you. So she knows that this land that they're living in belongs to the Jews. She knows that God has given it to the Jewish people. She's not a Jew. And the terror of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. And I'll just go down to verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. She is confessing that that the God of the heavens and the God of the Hebrews is the one and only true God. Amen? Amen. Now, because she believed, as Julianne said in her message, all we have to do is like little children believe. Because Rahab believed, she was saved and came into the lineage of Jesus Christ. She was a nobody from nowhere and she begin, becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Anybody can come to the kingdom of God. There is none that is too far from God that they cannot be saved. The Lord's arm is mighty and righteous to save. Um, we also have the story of Ruth, and we see that in Ruth 1, chapter 1 and verse 16. Ruth, also a Moabitess woman, married... Um, Naomi's sons and then the sons died and we know that Naomi had come out of out of her land to a country and God didn't tell them to go there and and all these things befell them her husband died and her two sons died and her two daughter-in-laws were left and one Naomi decides she's going to return home and she said to her daughter-in-laws I release you to go back to your families and Ruth Ruth stood up and these are the words that Ruth said in verse 16 Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts us. Ruth knew that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was the only God to follow. Again, she was somebody who wasn't even linked to all the Jewish traditions or anything and she knew the God because she believed in Naomi's God and she too came into the lineage of Jesus Christ. God can use anyone. He sets up kingdoms and he pulls them down. He puts people in government and he removes people from government. We think, oh, this is, not, this is not right what's going on. But it must be that all these things come to pass and God is 
manipulating and moving things for our benefit because he works all things for the good of those in Christ Jesus. That's us. He's working all things as bad as they seem. I'm going to turn to Matthew 24 now. And verse 32. And it says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. We all know that Israel, the Jewish people, are the apple of God's eye. They are his chosen people. He chose them from among the nations. He chose them as a special people. And the Bible tells us, if you want to know what's happening in Bible prophecy, watch Israel. Because God deals with the nations as he's dealing with Israel. So whatever's going on with Israel affects us as a church. And as you know, Israel in 1948 became a nation once again. Now the Bible foretold this. We are living in days where we are seeing Bible prophecy right before our very eyes coming to pass. And we are living in days that are exciting. We are living in days when we can look forward to something. Because these things are happening right here, right now. And God said that he would go out and he would bring his people back to their land because when um, Moses, Joshua went into the land, the Lord said, oh, I'm bringing you into a land that I have given you. I have given it to you. God gave it to them. He said to Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. Leave your mother and father and go to a land that I will show you. God showed them the land that was to be theirs. He chose the portion of land. They went. And now God said that all the people of the land must come back. And there's a great ingathering of all the Jewish people. And do you think all these things that are going on today are causing the Jewish people to return to their homeland? You know, in Egypt, there was an exodus of 3,000, 3 million people exodusing out of Egypt. But we're experiencing the greater exodus of the end times because at, up to date there's over 6 million Jews returning to their homeland. These are exciting days. God is on the move and we need to be aware of what God is doing. He is bringing his people back. And it said when the fig tree starts to blossom, when it starts to shoot... Well, when the people are coming back to their land, God is restoring their land. He's restored their language and he is bringing them home. He is going to call them his people. No, they don't yet believe in, in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That is yet to come. That won't happen until the, the great tribulation. They are still in denial of who Jesus Christ is, but we know who our Lord and Saviour is. And as we are watching and we can see these things happening, it is like step after step. God has put it out in his word. It's all in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Look it up because his people are back in their land and they're continuing to come back. And that says to me that God restores in the natural first and then he will restore the spiritual. Amen. And the people are coming back and I say to myself, well, if the people are coming back 
and it's already started and it has for the last 70 years. It will not be too much longer and that will be the end. The people will be back in their land and God will shut the door on this day of grace, this day of grace in which we live under where the church can come freely and the door is open. That door will shut with a loud bang and it will be closed and there will be no more from this generation, no more will come into the kingdom of God. So I say to you this morning, get yourselves ready, watch Israel, because the time is drawing nigh. We have heard this message for, century, for decades being preached and everyone says, well, I'm sick about hearing the end times because they said that 20 years ago. But I'm telling you today that we are in the end of the end days. We are at the last port and it's all there on our TV screens if you want to turn it on and look. But I wouldn't get too caught up in all that. I would go to the word of God and it says when you see the fig tree budding and sending forth its new shoots, you know that the time is near. We know without a shadow of a doubt that the time is near. The Bible says to be watchful, to be on guard, to be awake. Don't slumber because Jesus will come in the night like a thief, the Bible says. He will come in the night like a thief, an hour when we least expect. And the Bible says that it shall be in the days of Noah that we'll be just going about our daily business. We'll be marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and working and doing all the things and God wants us to do that. But the church needs to be awake and watchful and ready for when the... When the bride of Christ returns, the bridegroom returns because he will come as a thief in the night. He will catch you off guard if you are not on watch. This is a warning. This is a warning. God gives us this warning. You know that um, Israel's mission statement is that um, to bring the Jews from the four corners of the world. That is part of their mission statement. You know how churches have a mission statement? To go out and save the lost or whatever our mission might be. Usually there's quite a few things on that list. Well, Israel, part of their mission statement is to bring all the Jews from the four corners of the earth. See, they don't even realise what's going on. The Jewish people don't because they don't yet believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But they will. In the middle of the tribulation, their knee will bow and they will see Jesus Christ for who he is. They will know that he is the Messiah and then that's when Israel's spiritual restoration will happen. Amen? Amen? It's exciting. I don't know, but I think this is exciting times. Israel is a time clock for the church and we are the generation that is watching the fig tree blossom. You know, the Bible says that this generation will not pass away until it sees this come to pass. I believe we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. The time is near. The time is short. The time is running out. We need to pull our socks up. We need to get our hearts right with God. We need to take this seriously. And the rapture, well, did you, do you believe in the Red Sea parting, that God could part the Red Sea? Why can't he come and rapture us out? He said he would. Why would we doubt that? We have no trouble believing and with the parting of the Red Sea, why should we have trouble believing that God will come and rapture us out? I want you to read, um, not now, but in your own time, read Jeremiah chapter 30 and 31 because 
That's what God promises Israel. That's what God promises his people. So God first restores the natural and he's already restored the land. Israel was barren when the people were out of that. It was barren. I mean, even the cactus didn't want to grow there. It was a barren place. Since his people have come back, it is flourishing. It is leading in technology. It is leading in all sorts of areas and it is self-sufficient and it is even supplying other nations and keeping other nations alive because when the rightful owners of the land came back, God blessed them. Amen? Um, God restores in the spiritual and I want to... Um, Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, "...and I will give them one heart and a new spirit." I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So how do we get a heart of flesh? Does anyone know how we get a heart of flesh? You get a heart of flesh only when you believe in Jesus Christ. Then he can write his word on the fleshly tabernacles of your heart. So when Israel finally sees Jesus Christ as their Messiah, then spiritually they will be restored because they will see him for who he is. Amen? What a glorious day that's going to be. So the natural restoration is well underway, which means the days of grace are about to end. The church days are almost finished. And, you know, these times are so exciting. Do you know this is the first time in history where Israel is a nation living in their own land and the church is here also. So it's like dual citizenship. And, you know, like you say, well, why would God come and take us? You know, why would he want us to be with him? Because he loves you. But not only that, do you all know that we're ambassadors for Christ? We are Christ's ambassadors, so we're representing him. And when you have an ambassador in another country and war breaks out or something goes on, we bring him home. We don't leave him over there to suffer on his own, we bring him home. Well, we're, God's, we're Christ's ambassadors. Is he going to leave us here no. to go through the tribulation? No. He's going to come and take his own to be with him. Yes. You know, he does not judge the righteous with the unrighteous. Amen? Amen? He does not do that. That's why we'll be raptured out. That's why we'll be taken out because he's not going to judge his church with the unrighteous. Um, we should be about, we are here to preach the gospel. That's the only reason God's got us here. The only reason the church is still here is because he's not yet done without there. And there's many people in Charters Towers that God is not yet done with. Amen? So there's people in Charters Towers that yet have to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and he's not done with them yet. But in uh, 2 Timothy 4.2, it says to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season. Where to be about our father's business, amen? Um, David was about his father's business before he became king. He was out in, the sh- out in the fields, tending the sheep, playing, getting good at playing his harp and singing and worshipping. He was out there fighting the lion and the bear because he was preparing himself for events and opportunities that did not yet exist in his life. But God had placed that he would be a king one day and all those things that he was doing because he was about his father's business in the natural but also in the spiritual, he was able to apply those things as he became the king, the anointed king over Israel and Judah. 
Amen. So we should be about our Father's business. We're here to preach the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. We're here to preach the gospel, to show the good tidings to the poor, to, to have the blind receive their sight and the deaf hear, to raise from the dead. We're here to do what Jesus did when he was on earth. And he said, greater than these things will you do, greater than what I did, you should be doing. This is what God wants for us here. That's why we're still here. All right, we're going to go to Thessalonians. You all were waiting for this one, I know. You all know this scripture, don't you? Thessalonians, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, that's us the church, until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So those in Christ who have already died, those Christians that are already dead. We're not going to go before them. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. We are to comfort one another with these words. These should bring joy to our heart. This should be a, a song in our heart that we want to share and encourage each other with. doesn't matter what you're going through, the time is drawing near and we will be with the Lord. We will be caught up with him. Let's encourage one another. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 23. It says... But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ's at his coming. God is a God of order. So this isn't going to be chaos, although I think on earth it might be chaos. You imagine when we all get raptured out. Have you ever thought about that? Like, Imagine if the pilot of the airplane was a Christian. Boom, gone. Where's the plane? What about our traffic? You get... All the Christians get raptured out of the, the traffic jam in the middle of Sydney or Beijing or wherever you might live. It's going to be chaos, eh? It will be chaos. But anyway, so we read here, Christ the first fruit. See, Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. And you might say, well, what about Lazarus? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But we're not talking about being resurrected. We're talking about the resurrection and Jesus was the first one who died and was resurrected unto eternal life by the Father, by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was the first fruit. So he's, he's already been resurrected. So that's already happened. We know that, that he's alive and well and seated at the right hand of the Father. Then when, when Christ comes in the clouds with the shout of the archangel and the trumpet, riding on a white horse, when he comes to get his church, we're not first. The, it says in that passage in Thessalonians where I just read that it'll be the dead in Christ. So those who are Christians who died knowing Christ will be resurrected first from their graves 
and we, the church, thirdly, will be caught up and meet them in the air. So hallelujah, you'll be meeting up with all your family, friends, children, whatever it may be, who have gone before you. You will meet them in the air. And our bodies will be changed into heavenly bodies in the twinkling of an eye. So off with the old coat and on with the new armour, the new royal robes, priesthood, and we meet him in the air. And then during the tribulation, there will be the, the resurrection of those that will be martyred during the tribulation. They will rise also. And then the Old Testament saints will also be raised up to be with Christ. So we're going to see Paul and David and all those great men and women that we've read in the word of God. We will know them when we see them because we will be like them. We will know them. Without knowing them, we will know them. I think this is a tremendous thing. So this, that whole order, there's an order, and that whole order is the first resurrection. And the second resurrection, we don't want to know about the second resurrection because the second resurrection will be for those who died without Christ. They will be resurrected to the white throne judgment, and that's when God will judge them. He is a righteous judge. So... You do not escape. But I say, choose God now. Makes it so easy. Just choose God now. And you say, well, what about in the tribulation? Maybe I can squeeze through during... Who wants to wait for the tribulation? Who wants to wait for the great war? Nobody. I say, choose now. Be done with it. Home and hosed, hey? Don't have to think about it anymore. You're just there. And God will take you home. You know, in Luke um, chapter 2, 25 and verse 32, um, I'm not going to read that, but we see this devout man, Simeon, and he waited and he waited patiently, waited and waited because he was told that he would see the salvation, he would see the Messiah, he would see the Christ before he died and he would die in peace because he would have seen God's salvation and immediately when Mary and Joseph turned up at the temple for the dedication ceremony, Simeon, the Spirit of God, was on him and he knew Jesus as soon as he saw the babe and he took him in his arms. And, you know, that's how we need to be for the waiting of the coming of the Lord. We need to have the same attributes as Simeon. We need to be patient. We need to be steadfast, dedicated, tireless, unwavering, determined and waiting expectantly. Because the time is near. We've got to be expecting him to turn up any time of the day or night. Are you ready? All right, I'm nearly through. Hebrews, Hebrews 9 and verse 28. Verse 28 says, I've got to find it first. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Not the salvation that we have now, but the salvation or the redemption of our bodies because that's when we'll be changed. And we, it says that word eagerly. We should be on fire. We should be excited. We should be full of just awe, waiting, thinking, is it today? Is it today? Because the Bible says to wait eagerly. 
And um, we also see in Galatians 5.5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 1 Corinthians 1.7, so that you may come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 8.25, but if we have hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We don't see it yet, but we are. We see it in the natural. Amen. We see it as we look at Israel, as we look at what God is moving. We know that he is moving. He is not a silent God. He has not gone to sleep. He doesn't sleep or slumber. But I just want to encourage you today, if you're sitting there and if you have any doubt whatsoever, come out the front. Let me pray with you. Come out the front and kneel down and say, God, I need you. Show me a revelation of yourself. Show me who you are. Give me that peace because he is the Prince of Peace. He is the God of salvation. He is the one who heals. You want it, he's got it. He is a full package deal. So come. I say come to you this morning. Come out the front. And I ask you this morning, do you know God? Do you know God? Is this the God that you serve? When you bow down to pray, when you read your word, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who you are sitting in front of? Do you know who has your life in their hands? It is God. God has your life in his hands. Do you choose God today? I want to say, do you choose God today? And I just entreat you that do not leave this place if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I'd like to pray with you right here and now that you can know him, that you can walk in in righteousness, that you can walk through the gates of heaven, that you can be caught up in the air on that exciting day that we eagerly await for and say, he'll say, you are well done, good and faithful servant. What a day that's going to be, hey? When we stand face to face, when we worship around the throne of God. And we're going to be rulers with him in the millennial reign. We're going to return to earth for a thousand years and the devil's going to be locked up, bound. We're going to be on earth with peace and the the lion will lay down with the lamb and, and the snake won't be venomous and all men, all peoples will get along in love and unity and we will rule and reign with Christ because we are kings and priests with him. Amen. What a glorious day. What a glorious day. Amen and amen. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you give us so much hope. That, Lord, our salvation is in you and you alone. That all of this rests on the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through the blood of the Lamb that we can come to the Father. There's only one way and that's through Jesus. There's no other way to the Father except through the Son, Jesus. And, Lord, we just love you today. We thank you. We thank you for your willingness to look down upon us, stingy human race, and yet you love us so much that you came and gave your life for us, that we could live eternally with you in the heavenlies. Father, we just love you today. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us not to fall into the trap of looking at what's going on, but to see the bigger picture behind the scenes, and that's you working all things for our good, that these things must be, that we can be with you, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Priscilla. I just want you all to stand. You know that song, Because He Lives? 
I just feel to sing that this morning. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Amen. Because I know, yes, we know, he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. Because he He bled and died to buy my pardon. 